Okay, so this is a very important question because I be battling people with this question all the time. Okay. Do you believe in colorism and do you feel like it's easier as a, a female rapper to like make it big when you're like of a lighter complexion? Believe in colorism. Colorism is very real. It's yeah. a very real thing. It's definitely easier for a woman with a lighter complexion to blow up quicker than a dark-skinned woman, for sure. But like, why? Cause like, I be getting into it, people, right? I used to get made up fun of at school because I wasn't black enough. Bitches used to try to cut my hair. Like, people be thinking that like, light-skinned girls don't go through colorism. We go through colorism just, I don't know if it's like as bad as like well, it's not girls. like Well, who, it's not colorism. Now, I am unfamiliar with the people in this clip. In fact, I know barely anything about rap and hip-hop world names and entertainers. What I do know is that as a light-skinned person who has been educated on numerous matters, watching this clip also made my skin crawl. She decides to bring up her own personal experiences of which are irrelevant at the moment in terms of the subject matter. Worse, she asks a dark-skinned woman if colorism exists. A person who would be experiencing colorism at its worst. There is no such thing truly as reverse colorism. In the same way that there is no such thing truly as reverse racism, i.e. towards white people. Qualities within a society that oppresses and provides you with privilege are not somehow a form of oppression within itself and put you in a position where you can experience an ounce to nearly as much pain and suffering as a person who is oppressed to a greater extent than you, or is oppressed quite literally by systems lighter and white people advocated for centuries. Though it must have hurt this woman, I mean, it hurt me when I felt like I wasn't truly my race yet simultaneously made to feel as less than by white people for being mixed, it's not comparative. This is a great example of someone using whataboutism. It's when someone doesn't have a solid rebuttal and then instead of addressing what it is that was just being talked about, maybe even something they just brought up, they have to say, what about me? I wasn't black enough in high school with white people and the black girls thought I wasn't black enough. What about that? Before the woman can even finish a sentence about something that has nothing to do with high school. And the whole, you're not black enough thing, doesn't come from a place of reverse colorism. When a group is constantly told that a certain part of your race is favorable, just white enough or light enough to be favored and seen in magazines, TV, and you aren't, you're more likely to internalize hatred towards those people and even exact that outwardly. Why do we let ourselves keep up this house slave, field slave mentality in contemporary media and society? Furthermore, why do the quote-unquote house slave colored people of today feel the need to invalidate and invalidate the inferiority and oppressive stereotypes, messages, and experiences of darker women to one, feel black enough, and two, feel seen? You feel invisible growing up when you consider yourself a divide within two worlds, but any person with access to a library or computer can search up the history and critically assess the situation if they wanted to. Maybe instead of asking for an opportunity to talk about how you were seen as pretty, which was why darker skinned girls hated on you and called you white, you should look into the history of this issue and why that still affects them to this day. I'm tired of this narrative that dark skinned women hate light skinned women. There may be many who resent the reality of the situation. It's not as simple as dark skinned women hating light skinned women, even if that is the case. It's more so dark-skinned women hating the reality of the situation and resenting those that benefit from it.
that their hair isn't loose enough in terms of its curl pattern, their skin isn't light enough, their facial features are too black. Do you know why those girls were messing with you and your hair? It's because deep down, for many, they wished they had that. They wish they had that hair texture because then maybe they could escape the lack of privilege they presently have. It's more likely that they resented you for your privilege. It's more likely that they resent you for your privilege and exclude you as a result rather than them actually hating you and being quote unquote reverse colorist. They weren't being colorists. They were reacting to colorism instilled upon them in an immature and inappropriate manner, yes. Though those girls took it too far, that is not colorism. It's a reaction to oppression. Nonetheless, can we stop acting like dark-skinned women don't have the right to be mad? I know that this we is very general. I'm sure that there are many people that don't have this ludicrous idea that dark-skinned women do not have a reason to be mad. It is important that we allow darker-skinned women to have the space to point out the reality of the situation to hold lighter-skinned people accountable for their actions and their ridiculous tangents, as seen in this clip. It's tiring to watch people of privileged positions not consider what it must be like to be on the other side of the spectrum. Fathom what it must be like to understand that these features would allow for you to be seen as more human, equal, desirable, and understand in that same present that it is unachievable. What kind of effect does that have on those people? How would you react in that position? I cannot say that I would be mature about it. I cannot say that I would entirely, especially in the beginning of my life, be content or be completely logical about the situation. Colorism affects the socialization of and psychology of people. And the darker you are, the more negative those impacts are. And I can only imagine, I think, uh, in the situation of being a dark-skinned woman, growing up in contemporary society, what it must be like then to watch light-skinned women after light-skinned women in movies, TV shows, and more. And then when it comes to the rap game, which was the entire question that was never, I don't think, truly answered, and not to the same extent that the bullshit tangent was, but when it comes to the rap game, the answer should have been yes. Colorism does exist. Many new rappers who aren't nearly as good as Flo Millie, for example, are doing much better than her. And that in itself is incredibly evident of that reality. So what have we learned from this? Well, I definitely subscribe to what this creator stated. It is not the responsibility of dark-skinned women to educate you. You have the inner- Okay, so off script, right? Now that I've just mentioned all the points that I wanted to preface and address, I also just want to talk about how selfish that was of the interviewer. I felt like it was very selfish. Now, everyone enters the industry with a narrative. The entertainment industry, any industry truly, but everyone enters this industry of entertainment with a narrative and everyone enters a conversation then with a narrative. Whether that be from naivete and curiosity to wanting to talk about or suggest something that bothers you despite it being inappropriate for this specific situation. So, two things 
One, why would you ask someone a question and yet not want them to answer? If you wanted to talk about your experiences and perspective, don't ask a question that will then turn into something that has absolutely nothing to do with that question. Uh, there is no, for example, high school to rap game colorism pipeline. I mean, that would be interesting to dissect. I'm sure someone on the internet has done that. But as far as I'm aware of, there is no direct correlation between high school experiences of colorism and then Hollywood and music, entertainment, celebrity media colorism. If anything, colorism in high school is manufactured in correlation to what is perpetuated in the media. So it's just interesting to see how absolutely illogical that conversation like went. <laughs> I, I was actually baffled and I just genuinely too feel bad for the woman on the opposing end who has just sat there clearly as it, you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of the dynamics that you could see in say a um shmamu tate No offense to anyone named Shmamu, I just wanted to ramble out his first name. I don't know if, you know, YouTube's gonna start censoring his name at some point, but, you know, it reminded me of that where he would bring in these girls or these people just to have this group of individuals and then just bounce his ideas onto them and because that person's there, subconsciously you think that there's a conversation going on, that they're involved or that they subscribe to what is being said. And it reminded me of that in the sense that she brings on a dark-skinned woman to talk about colorism and her experiences with colorism. She chooses a dark-skinned woman. The people that had attacked her when she was a younger person were dark-skinned. So she brings this woman on. She seems to, at first, be interested in her career and wants to talk about rap and colorism in the rap game. And instead of asking a question that would have been reasonable, like, how has colorism affected you as a young rapper and as a woman particularly um and instead chooses to say do you believe colorism exists though everyone of course is entitled to their opinion that question in itself is ludicrous it's as if you're asking whether or not racism exists within hollywood or if sexism exists within the workplace. Gosh, I don't know how many more examples I could provide you with, really. It's just, it feels like something that's so fundamentally obvious, but then she continues to barely allow for this woman to speak for herself and rebuttal with something in quote-unquote whataboutism that, again, does not allow for a fruitful conversation about the subject she brought up in the first place but the dark-skinned woman is there sat there and so the audience if they're not critical thinkers 
or if they're not aware truly of what's going on here, or if they're not familiar with the subject matter, they're going to look at this and think, okay, well, she's having a conversation about colorism. Does it exist? She's asking a dark-skinned woman. She's asking for her opinion and, and what's going on. It looks innocent if you don't understand what the conversation really is here, what, what's going on below the surface that's incredibly um, clear to the woman who she just looks like she just like it looks like she knows exactly what's going on here it looks like she's been through this before which is so sad but she actually looks like she's just like mm -hmm, you know and i just really appreciate the way that she handled the conversation as well as um the creator that i mentioned originally mentioned like just I can't say if I were in her position, if I were the dark-skinned person in that position, I can't say I would have answered the questions and just simply put it at that. I probably would have gone on a rant. But I just feel like she handled it well because she just didn't really give in to the bizarre and uh, just incomparable situations that the interviewer was bringing up. And, you know, when she didn't get the reaction that she wanted, she just kept going on. And it's just very, like, you want a reaction, but you don't want that person to speak. But they're there, so then the audience thinks that there's a conversation. There is a big problem with this that I would love to address at some point in a future video of these types of videos where it's just the setting is, the premise, the setting, whatever, whatever you want to call it, is person with perspective, person with perspective, standing, sitting, etc. They speak with the dominant voice. They are the interviewer. They are the face of this, or they are really good at articulating themselves. And they either, they, they're rapid fire, they use big words, or they insist on their perspective and they interrupt the other person. And then the other person is expected to accept the ignorance that is being spewed onto them and not speak at all in some cases this podcast slash interview model suppose this does continue to rise in popularity is going to be incredibly damaging for just anyone that consumes information on the internet one of the great things about youtube and instagram and tiktok and all of these different social media platforms is that we get to decentralize information news perspectives and the problem with that in that very same sense is that there are plenty of people that will begin and have been doing this where their narratives are going to damage the quality of and trust in others in their real and social media lives now what do i mean by this i know firsthand what it's like to deal with someone who speaks in this way who will just tell you how they think and feel go on about it for the next 30 minutes and expect you to obey or expect you to change your mind and then when they don't have a real rebuttal when they don't have actually anything to stand on they either make you feel stupid or they bring up something that is irrelevant to the conversation. In one of my most recent classes, Effective Writing, I actually have that class later tonight, I ended up reading George Orwell's Politics and the English Language. 
and i think that if he could see what is happening today in terms of how people utilize the english language how people communicate and try to perform try to create sound arguments um he would actually cry and have a mental break i can only imagine what a prolific educated well-rounded individual would say looking at just the amount of people that really subscribe to these people that don't want to say anything now of course i am again generalizing because i am first off not comparing this interviewer to something something tape i'm more so comparing the style of interview not the content i have no idea what she does and i have no intention to claim i do this is more so a commentary and a testament to that issue why are people attracted to terrible arguments why are people attracted to this comment your thoughts below you know what are your thoughts on the absurdity of that interview and what are your thoughts on the decline in interviewers and podcasts and etc just decentralized media than having these lackluster and bizarre conversations with no sound argument am i just speaking out of my ass <laughs> i'm not speaking in my ass i just want to see if anyone wants to you know say anything else you totally can and i will see you next time bye